Hi, everyone. Before we start the show, I just want to let you know that if you enjoy the Dare Daniel podcast, if you like the work we're doing here, you can help us grow the show by making a donation through the Dare Daniel website. Your generous contributions will help offset the cost of producing the show and will also enable long-term projects. You can make a one-time payment or set up a monthly subscription. Any amount helps, and it's really greatly appreciated. Thanks a lot, and here's the show. Halloween podcast listeners, you're listening to the Dare Daniel podcast where you send us your most sinister movie dares and we suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald and I'm coming down to your tone. And with me as always is Daniel Barnes, film critic for the Sacramento News and Review and a member of the San Francisco Film Critics Circle. Hi everyone, as Corky said, on this show we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine. And then we review and rate them on our unique scale. A run-of-the-mill bad film is rated a dare. We give a double dare to those truly atrocious movies, and we reserve the reverse dare for a despised movie that is actually pretty good. Today on the podcast, we'll be wrapping up our October Scare Daniel series with a review of John Borman's Exorcist II, The Heretic, the widely panned 1977 sequel to the blockbuster horror hit. Yeah, and I hope y'all like sweaty dick, because Richard Burton (laughs) perspires a lot in this film. (laughs) Yeah, I hope y'all like sweaty dick shit, too. (laughs) Uh, the beer I bought for us tonight is from our good friends at Bike Dog Brewing. It is called Soft Pedal. It's, of course, yet another hazy IPA, because that's pretty much all I bring for the show. That's all we want. Uh, it's a 7% IPA. So good, juicy, fruity flavors. Uh, again, just another fantastically drinkable uh, hazy IPA. I'm sure this will not last the entire show. Oh, hell no. This <laughs> I'm halfway done already. <laughs> So Exorcist 2, The Heretic, comes to us via Dan Scott. Scare Daniel! This shameless attempt to cash in on The Exorcist must have been made due to a series of deals with the devil. Not only does Linda Blair return as Regan, but it includes an all-star cast of Richard Burton, Louise Fletcher, Max von Sydow, James Earl Jones, Ned Beatty, and, all caps, Dana fucking Plato! <laughs> Happy Halloween! The IMDb synopsis for Exorcist 2 The Heretic says, A teenage girl once possessed by a demon finds that it still lurks within her. Meanwhile, a priest investigates the death of the girl's exorcist. Yeah, and of course, this 1977 film is a sequel to the 1973 uh, William Friedkin hit film, The Exorcist. And the concept of the cash-in sequel, it's not really a new one to Hollywood. I mean, you can go back to 1933. King Kong was a huge hit for RKO Pictures in the spring of 1933, and they had already rushed son of Kong, into theaters by the end of the year. Uh, And sure enough, when uh, The Exorcist was an enormous hit, it was the second highest grossing film in 1973, nominated for 10 Oscars, including Best Picture. Holy shit. Sequel seemed inevitable. Uh, Of course, William Friedkin and writer William Peter Blatty had no interest in returning. Neither did Alan Burstyn, who had a miserable time making the first film. Uh, So an original screenplay was crafted, and director John Borman was brought in. He made Point Blank, one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, And he had recently made Deliverance. And actually turned down a chance to direct uh, the original Exorcist. Of course, he also made Excalibur, which we talk about in episode 6, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. Check that out. The production of Exorcist II was plagued with troubles. Borman brought on a new writer, and they rewrote the script as they were shooting. 
Production was canceled for a month when Borman became sick with a fungal infection. Actresses Louise Fletcher and Kitty Wynn also had illnesses. The editor quit during production. There was ruined food footage that necessitated reshoots. And the production was forced to shoot key exterior scenes in the studio, including the Georgetown house and steps from the original. Of course, the first Exorcist also had a rocky production, largely due to William Friedkin torturing everyone that he could find. But no one really cared once that film started raking in cash. It all just became part of that movie's mythos. Exorcist II, The Heretic... Not so fortunate. It was released on June 17, 1977. The film inspired wide derision from audiences and critics alike. William Friedkin, not exactly impartial on the matter, called it one of the worst films I've ever seen. That's bitter. Later later adding, quote, that film was made by a demented mind. And he would know. (laughs) One of our leading experts on having a demented mind, William Friedkin. The movie got a 19 from critics on Rotten Tomato. It has a 12 from audiences on Rotten Tomato. Budgeted at $14 million, eventually made about $30 million worldwide, but was still considered a disappointment, especially since the first one was such a hit. There are defenders, of course. There always are. Always are. Polly and Kale preferred Borman's film to Freakin, saying it, quote, had more visual, visual magic than a dozen movies. And Martin Scorsese, he produced The Snowman, episode five. Check that out. He listed Exorcist to the Heretic as a guilty pleasure in a 1998 issue of Film Comment. For his part, John Borman said this, quote, It all comes down to audience expectations. The film that I made I saw as kind of a riposte to the ugliness and darkness of The Exorcist, and I think that audiences, in hindsight, were right. I denied them what they wanted, and they were pissed off about it. Corky, Mm. do you agree that it was unfair audience expectations in 1977 that tanked an otherwise worthy film, or are you just as pissed off about it as they were. Pauline Kale, Martin Scorsese, you're having a laugh. Yeah. <laughs> you're having a fucking laugh with this one. There's no way. If I can only imagine, like, I was a, if I was a teenager in the mm-hmm. 70s and I saw The Exorcist and it blew me away, they sure. were doing shit with the horror genre that had never been done. Four years later, I get this. Yeah. I get this dreck. Uh-huh. Oh, no. That movie fucking sucked. <laughs> this movie was rugged. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I will say it's completely insane. After reading a review, if you want to watch the a 90-second supercut of the film, watch the original theatrical trailer, which is just the entire movie in a series of quick shots. But it was cut in such a speed. That would have been amazing for that, that time. That would have just blown everyone away, right? Right. Yeah, that's and just insane. If I would have been hyped up from the trailer, I mean, I would have already seen the whole movie in the trailer. So. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, this movie is not very good. It's pretty bad. The trailer actually makes it seem like it might be yes. crazy fun, and it's crazy, but it's definitely not very fun. And it, I think it's kind of interesting to note that John Borman, like I said, had a chance to direct the original Exorcist and was a harsh critic of The Exorcist, and he didn't like it. He thought it was an ugly, kind of negative movie. So I John Borman. John Borman. Who yeah. made Deliverance. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. This movie in a weird way, is obsessed with The Exorcist because right. it's, it completely borrows all of the the talismans and all of the settings and everything else. But it also totally undermines everything yep. about The Exorcist as well. And everything that worked about it is not in this film at all. So again, if you hated The Exorcist, you can see that, but there's no way to defend this movie on a filmmaking level. Because nah. it's so bad. And all of the crazy shit that happens in the trailer is in the movie but they just they leave out the long, boring stretches where pretty much nothing happens. And there's and no literally no dialogue in the trailer. They, they're like, oh. you know what doesn't work in this movie? Anyone all, talking. Yes. Anyone Let's take all of that anything. out. Yes. 
<laughs> so anyway, let's get right into it. Exorcist 2, The Heretic. So we have blood red credits. And as the credits are rolling, we start to hear some screaming. We hear some tribal chanting as well. And in walks who? Quirky? I don't know. Tell us, Daniel. You <laughs> don't know? Is this what? a fucking quiz? What are we doing here? Did you watch the film, Quirky? I did. I didn't know we were being set up to answer my question. I demand of you. <laughs> no, I want to say that over the, over the credits. Did you watch the film? Yes, I watched the Quirky, film. do you not know who walks in at the very beginning of the yeah. movie? Yeah. Okay, but here, I'll toss my things back to you, too. <laughs> what is the fourth credit, Daniel? Tell us about that. That is rather irrelevant to the plot of the film. No, it's say. Respo Pollenberg, creative consultant, Respo Pollenberg. That was my favorite thing about the credits. But the closed captioning says, <laughs> woman wailing and screaming in the captions. And it sounds like Yoko Ono, but that's literally the feeling that your insides do that whole movie. Uh, right, sure. Screaming and wailing. <laughs> but to answer Dan's unprompted question. No, but thank you for... Once again, derailing the show to say the name Respo Pollenberg. <laughs> Father <laughs> Philip Lamont walks in. A very tanned Richard Burton. Very tan and very sweaty. And very drunk, probably, oh, Richard Burton. Oh, boy, yeah. That is, though, that is whiskey sweat. <laughs> no, <laughs> that, no doubt about that. So, yeah, this is Richard Burton. He is in what appears to be an African village, like a hut inside of an African village. Uh, but they're speaking Spanish. Oh, right. They're calling him Padre. Oh, right. That's right, right. And he's a nervous priest. He, it's from the jump, you can tell he's nervous about what's going on. But yeah, that's right, because she says porque. Yeah, um, porque. And there's a woman who is clearly possessed. She's kind of, she's writhing and screaming, and everyone else is chanting and doing all sorts of things. Father Lamont opens his Bible, where we see that he has Father Marin's baseball card. <laughs> yeah, he's got a stats. He actually has a picture, and it says Father Barrett across it. And I think if you flip it over, it's like... <gasps> How many exorcisms of 1968? That was a league record. <laughs> like, Three possessions? Seriously? Four exorcisms it just completed? It's like Father Baron across the bottom of it. <laughs> so he's trying to do an exorcism, which he does in, in basically the same way as the priest on the first exorcist, which is whipping the holy water, whipping, yep. whipping the holy water. Um, the woman... Uh, pulls away, uh, she grabs some fire from the altar, she starts burning the altar, and yeah. starts burning herself as well, and we get this kind of shot of her sort of like frozen and almost ecstatic as the flames kind of engulf her body. Yeah. But we've seen her come out, and at one point she says, por qué? Like, you can, you can see the gentle woman who is kind of inside of there, and then the, the devil who is also inside of there with him. As NXS tells us, Every single one of us has a devil inside. Exactly. Porque. This woman especially has a devil inside. <laughs> we then get a smash cut right to Regan tap, tap dancing. dancing. <laughs> tap dancing. So yeah, right away, if you thought going into Exorcist Two: The Heretic, yeah, this movie will have little to no tap dancing, you would be wrong. You would be very and wrong. And you would be wrong right away. So it's four years later, and Reagan is now tap dancing. Um, she tap dances to like this saxophone player, yeah. and they're kind of flirtatious, and you think, well, this will be like a thing that, nope, never see him again. And that scene just goes away <laughs> just scene. as quickly as it invades <laughs> our brain space. But I think the, the implication is that it's four years later, and Reagan seems fine. She actually is smiling. She seems well-adjusted. It seems like she has gotten past the events of four years ago that were so traumatic. It's impossible to tap dance while sad. <laughs> you cannot do that. Ask Gregory Hines. <laughs> oh, I have. 
many times. So now we're introduced to Louise Fletcher, who is playing Dr. Jean Tuscan. So even though Reagan seems like she's well-adjusted and is doing well, she's still under the care of this Dr. Jean Tuscan, who operates out of a futuristic glass bowl. It seems like it's supposed to be this progressive children's therapy uh-huh. center, but it's like a it's like a hive. It's like a crystal where they all have different rooms in the crystal you or something. You can see every other room from the from room from her you're glass in. office, but she can also black out rooms And too. then the doors do Star Trek <laughs> door openings f- so you can go into I know, it's like is it 4 years later <laughs> or like 400 <laughs> years later because some of the technology is fucking bonkers. Yeah, it's the Star Trek-style asylum that she works at. And what's really funny is that, like we said, Ellen Burstyn does not return as Reagan's mother, but they hired someone to play a mother figure who looks almost exactly like Ellen Burstyn. Yeah. They somehow got the one woman who was a dead ringer for they Ellen They totally Burstyn. tried to do a bewitched Darren Switch they Absolutely did. <laughs> so we find out Reagan remembers nothing. She just says, I was sick. Uh, Louise Fletcher is playing Dr. Jean Tuscan. Right. And she's her therapist, and she introduces some kind of machine. And she says, this is something, Reagan, you and I can use together. And I've seen very many yeah. browser scenes that start the oh, right. same exact no, way. I was I was into this. I was into this. It was a real tease. So yeah, now we go back to Richard Burton, who meets with uh, like the cardinal or something like yeah. that. Yeah, some kind of bishop who's played by Paul Heinrich from Casablanca in yep. his final movie role. Okay, way to go out. On way top. to go out on top, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he he tells. Richard Burton's father, Lamont, that he wants him to investigate Father Marin's death because he's being accused of heresy because of some of the writings that have been found following his death. This is Max von Sydow's character from the first film who dies of a heart attack during the, the exorcism. Yeah. And it's a little mysterious because it, it's a little mysterious. We never see what happens. Right. So he, the Cardinal assigns him to a secret Soldier of Christ mission. This yes. is where the, he gets tasked. Yes. And Philip uh, Lamont does not want to go on this. He already is having doubt in yeah, his Yeah, he's having a crisis of faith. He says, I'm not worthy. Good Burton. And apparently, quote, Satan has become an embarrassment to our progressive views. <laughs> they do not. This is a movie that does Satan not like. Satan is such a scamp. Progressive views. <laughs> he's just going to embarrass that church. Lamont decides he's going to go and meet with Reagan. So he goes to Dr. Jean Tuscan. And at first she's like, no, I'm not going to expose her to questions. And then she just totally does. I mean, actually just lets him invade her, literally invade her mind. It's like two seconds of resistance. It's Fifty Shades of Grey. It's the no Christian. All right, I guess. Yeah. This is the first of many soul versus mind debates. Oh, my God. So this is where we also see the synchronizer for the first time, which is this <laughs> machine that has tones and lights. The tones and lights hypnotize you, and then you can bring other – while you're hypnotized, you can bring other people into the hypnosis, and yeah. then people can literally read what is inside of your brain. So this movie, while having this progressive therapeutic <laughs> view, also has like 1930s Rocky Jones science. It's Flash Gordon <laughs> it science. So We're going to strap two things to our heads. And I'll play a tone. A light will hypnotize us, and now we can see each other's thoughts. Yeah. Okay. This is also the scene, there are a a lot of choppy editing. This is the weirdest one because they start with like, okay, we're going to start reading each other's minds, okay, and we're doing this. And then it cuts to a scene of Linda Blair and her friend watching a video about somebody's bending spoons. And she says, (laughs) I can do it. And she shows her friend, her friend's like, oh my God. And then she's like, nope, look, I tricked you. I wasn't really, I was just faking it. 
And then it just cuts right back. Just right back. To the exact same scene from before <laughs> where they're hypnotizing. They just threw this in the middle to be like, let's break up this scene with a random nonsense. The other thing that happened to Linda B- Blair in between the first two, she became a shit house actress, man. <laughs> this girl, she plays like seven years old. She's smiling. She twirls around while she delivers lines about being possessed by the devil. So in the next scene, Father Lamont is kind of observing as the doctor and Reagan go into the synchronizer together. They're synchronizing their minds. But something happens to the doctor while she's in Reagan's mind. Yep. Father Lamont is just like, give me the damn machine. And just <laughs> pops on the little... He head. tags in. He's like, just taps in. He's like, in. oh, I'll jump into the light. They put the... It's it's so... F- I'm sitting there just dying laughing because watching Richard Burton strap this device to his head that makes him look like Lewis from the original Ghostbusters. <laughs> So inside Reagan's mind, he has these visions of uh, Reagan during the exorcism when she was possessed by Pazuzu, the demon, literally like grabbing uh, Marin's heart and essentially causing his heart attack. And now that's what's happening to Dr. Gene Tuscan. They're wrestling. There's a fucking amazing shot where it looks like. Regan is copying a feel on Dr. Gene Tuscan. Yeah. At the same time, the Regan from the exorcism, possessed Regan, is copying a feel. Yeah. And I'm like, they're grabbing her heart. Yeah. That's like getting the sixth it's, base. It's, you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> if your makeout sesh gets to heart grabbing, yeah. you're doing it right. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's these overlays where we see Regan possessed. We also see Regan not possessed. We yeah. see Father Marin. We see Gene Tuscan, and he's having these crazy visions. He's finally able to pull everyone out of it and raise the tone. And everyone, once you raise the tone, you come right out of your hypnosis. And Linda Blair reads a line. I won't say she delivers a line. She reads a line that says, "Tell Gene she will not ellipses remember." <laughs> Nicely done. So after his tone is raised and he comes out of it, uh, Father Lamont says, it was horrible. I tell you, horrible and fascinating. (laughs) And then he says, flames. Flames. He delivers the utterly horrible line directly to the camera. He's looking straight at... Shakespearean soliloquy. Oh my Christ, it was fucking... I was bananas. So he realized, he puts it together that the flames in the vision are meant to mean something. He runs down to the basement and sure enough just finds a a fire that has somehow started in a pile of boxes. While he's insisting there's a fire somewhere, Louise Fletcher's following him around and she literally does an eye roll and blows like, oh boy, this guy... Nothing phases Dr. Gene Tuscan. That is something we will see throughout the movie. I mean, well, she's a therapist. Some some man's having a breakdown in front of her. Her thing is to be like, you're being silly, pal. What a hassle. (laughs) Yeah, so they find the fire, which Richard Burton, as Father Lamont, immediately says, I'm going to grab a crutch (laughs) and start hitting the fire. She runs to go call 911. Percussion, percussion puts out fire, right? Just beating a fire puts it out. You've she, lived on Earth before. You know water doesn't work. She goes to call 911 while he's beating the fire. She then grabs the fire extinguisher, which has been there the entire time. She grabs it, pauses while she looks at Richard Burton engulfed by the flames and sort of notes that he looks very devilish. Yeah. Right? He looks possessed because he's sweating and he's beating this fire. And then she puts out the fire with the extinguisher. So again, in this universe, fire safety, if you see a fire, first jab wood into it, (laughs) then call 911, 
Right. Then grab the fire extinguisher that is right at your feet and put out the fire. That's all wrong. That yeah. is all wrong, out of order. That's Nothing about that is correct. Smokey would be very disappointed very in disappointed. Father Philip Lamont. <laughs> so Lamont is like, holy shit, I just went into a little girl's mind, went into a teenage girl's mind, saw a vision. That vision came true in the real world, and I just prevented a fire that saved hundreds of lives, mostly children. Dr. Gene Tuscan is totally unfazed by this. Lamont is like, this, this techni- technology is amazing. We can communicate with each other, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, whatever. Yeah. I just use it to knock to crazy people. And they're having this discussion outside the hospital, which has been evacuated yeah. because of the fire. <laughs> and like, and I started to wonder, like, where? <laughs> there's children just roaming everywhere. <laughs> they're playing with the fire thing where they're and throwing each other. And skateboarders going around. I was like, where is this happening? Uh, the first one was in D.C. They've yeah. never said. And as soon as I asked that, we cut to a, a very blue Rear projection. Yes. Yeah. So much bad rear projection. They're standing in front of a screen that's showing a New York City skyline <laughs> at a different time of day. Yeah. The original film with William Freakin, his whole thing is get in there and shoot on location and really fucking shoot it, right? So right. when the original opens in Iraq, they went to Iraq. Yeah. They shot in Georgetown. They shot at the steps. They shot at the house. They shot at Georgetown University yeah. for the medical scenes. All of this movie is created in the studio, including the house and the steps. All of this stuff is done, shot indoors. None of it was shot on location. So Father Lamont calls that machine miraculous, which is a heavy word for a priest to use. He's throwing it around. And he wants to sync with Reagan, which of course he does. (laughs) He begins dreaming of a desert village. Mm. Uh, oh no no she she does right well we kind of we're floating over the city and we hear the Pazuzu voice as it's floating over the city and it but Pazuzu seems to, has not been named yet we don't know Pazuzu it was named from the first film was oh not I didn't think I so. think it was no because the first film was the devil right no no what uh I don't think so no I think it well maybe pretty sure it was Pazuzu we're gonna have a theological debate after this one on another podcast sounds good <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> This sort of demon voice kind of flies into her room, which is in New York on like this uh, high rise. Yeah. And it's also cutting back to this Father Marin flashback of locusts, where he's in this African village with these very fake sets. And there's this close-ups of locusts, POV locust shots. Yeah. <laughs> locust cam. Reagan walks all the way up to the... Uh, to the top of the high rise that she's in, which just has these like open areas where you can just wander yeah. right off of the thing with no railing. But then it comes up the next morning and we meet Sharon, who is the Ellen Burson's assistant from the first movie, it's but she's clear. the one who is now taking care of Reagan while mom is quote on location. So now we go back to the clinic where uh, father Lamont is sinking with Reagan and we get another flashback to father Marin and we kind of are, are given the, the concept of this movie, which is that evil is drawn to great goodness. Right. Because um, he had this experience in Africa with a native boy who was possessed and actually called himself Pazuzu. He actually looks at the camera and says, I am Pazuzu. But his whole thing is that locusts are descending on the village, and this boy is supposed to be able to get the locusts away, but he gets infected, essentially, by Pazuzu and possessed by Pazuzu. Now, we're starting to sound kind of confused on this plot in the order, and that's 
that's pretty much what this movie is. Yeah, it's, it's a lot about- of cutting back and forth to flashbacks and uh, synchronized stories and things that are happening in, in people's heads. And it's 40 minutes in and it's indecipherable. Nobody's motivations are clear. Uh, the, none of the storyline, the through lines are not clear at all. Who's having the flashback to what? Yeah, so we see Father Marin trying to treat this boy uh, who has been possessed by Pazuzu. They are trying to drag his body up this sharp cliff, and the, yes. the body falls and has the longest, slowest fall down a cliff that has ever happened in a movie. And it goes between, like, it Dan It takes said, him several minutes to fall down that Dan cliff. Dan says it was all shot in studio, but except that maybe this one scene was shot, because it, it goes between several studio shots. There's one, like, matte thing where it's obviously not falling at the area it's falling. Then there's one where it's a guy on a wire kind of cartwheeling through very polystyrene yeah. cliffs. Then we have a dummy being thrown <laughs> off a cliff. Cliff somewhere exactly. that bounces on the bottom. It cuts between all of those. <laughs> all I could think of was that Mystery Science Theater episode, Lost Continent, rock climbing. Crow. Oh, right. <laughs> rock climbing. Rock climbing, Crow. So then we see some more locusts, and the locusts kind of descend on this village, and it is James Earl Jones in this sort of, and it cuts to a leopard. And then they pop out of the, the thing. This is all happening in Reagan's head. The movie this is, all is a losing itself. It's no, just, it's insane. It's going crazy. But this is all a vision that Father Lamont is seeing in Reagan's head while he's synchronizing with her. And he wakes up and he realizes that he needs to go find James Earl Jones, who plays the boy that he treated, who is now a man, and it supposedly knows how to resist the demon. Yeah. Which, I don't know fucking going on. But yeah, as James as Earl Jones, his, the boy's name, who grows out to be James Earl Jones, his name is Kokumo. Mm-hmm. And Richard Burton... You know, he sees this in his head, and he immediately says, that's where I want to go. Right. And Way was- down in Kokumo. <laughs> I didn't realize you were sending him a bit there. <laughs> no, I'm done bit. But they, they do decide to make a plan. So they, I- they decide that they're going to get there fast, and then they're going to take it slow. <laughs> Still didn't know you were going to the bit. <laughs> Way down in Kokumo. <laughs> Aruba, Jamaica, California. So I was having a hard time thinking about how, like, how am I going to describe when we talk about this? How am I going to describe <laughs> what's happening? How am I going to describe what, these flashbacks? And Richard Burton nails it. He says, "I saw a story. Why am I doing an Irish Dick Burton? How does he talk? He talks like very a strange mud city. Not. I'm still doing Irish. It has to be very clipped. Very. Clipped. <laughs> I was doing it last night, but he clipped. and clipped. He calls it a strange mud city in Africa. And I'm like, uh-huh. nailed it. Yeah. That's it. This movie is it's a just strange mud city. Strange mud city. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> We're back at the therapy hive and Regan is kind of starting to realize that she can help some people. And she meets a very young Dana Plato mm-hmm. and she's going full simple Jack. Yeah. She's going and she plays an autistic girl. She says she's autistic, which means she stutters. Yeah. And Regan coaxes her to talk. And then Barbara Kaysen does this amazing. <laughs> I mean, this delivery. I haven't seen a mom this good since Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> she's so thrilled that her daughter is now there talking. Was that mom and Sleepaway. Huh? Uh, yeah, there was. Yeah, okay, fine. She was the aunt, but whatever. She was, she was somebody's mom. She, she was, was somebody's mom. I get it. She was Ricky's mom. <laughs> and it's amazing because Regan now made her talk. Yeah. Right? 
And we, the mother comes in and realizes that the daughter has never spoken before and now is just freely speaking after this slight contact with Reagan. And the therapist that she's taking her daughter to is like, great, let's, let's talk to her. She's like, fuck no, I'm taking her home to my husband. He will get mad if I don't hear her talk. <laughs> if he doesn't hear her talk. He just wants to hear her talk once and then she can just go right back. Yeah, no, fuck this therapy I keep bringing her to. <laughs> it's clearly working, but that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> Both Dr. Jean and Father Lamont witnessed this, and of course, Father Lamont was like, this is amazing, this, this woman is very special. Dr. Jean says, let's stick to science. Because again, <laughs> Dr. Jean, faced by nothing. And Linda Blair- Nothing impresses Dr. Jean. Not at all. Linda Blair is such a shithouse actress, she doesn't even wave goodbye to the little girl convincingly. I'm like, I don't even believe you waving bye-bye. Yeah, but Dr. Jean wants to stick to science like her uh, mind-synchronizing machine that works by tones and lights. Science, people. <laughs> science. So next, we're at the Natural History Museum. Yes. Which I don't exactly know what, what reason this was here. Nope. But Reagan shows up there as well. Father Lamont there is there. And they talk about, well, they see a thing about the stone churches of Ethiopia, which they kind of realize that's what the person in the vision was climbing. So if we go to the stone church, I'll find the body. And this is kind of where all this stuff about locusts and hive mind and the therapy hive, there's there's an overarching theme yeah. that they're trying to develop. Yeah. Lamont decides that he can teach me how to save Pazuzu. So he's just going to go to Ethiopia. And then pretty much he's just in Ethiopia in the next scene. Yep. He's just in the, in the church in Ethiopia. <laughs> but, he, but first we get the scene where he's back with the Cardinal. Yes. Uh, Paul Heinrich, who decides to, Chris McDonald in exposed him uh, by first putting him on the investigation. Yep. And then when he starts investigating, take him right off. That's what I wrote. I wrote, <laughs> to, like, this is literally uh, you're off the case yes, scene. Turn in your priest badge and your priest gun. We need to investigate this. This is of extreme importance. And then go out, investigate it, come back. Stop, please. <laughs> you're off the case. Get out of here. Now we have Dick Burton scaling the model. Yeah, so Dick Burton is going to climb up the model to the Rock Church, rock uh, where at the top he finds a grown man bathing with several boys, and it is not comment. <laughs> it is not commented on at all. I but saw they are that. just right up there at the surface, at the top of the mountain. There's a hole, and there's a bunch of boys in there, and a man just walks right into the water with them. There's a bunch of prayer dance happening. Yeah, everyone's dancing and chanting. And we're kind of going to cut back and forth, which again, it does a lot from for pretty much from here forward, Reagan to Lamont, Reagan, Lamont, because they're all like synced now, right? Right. Uh, Sharon delivers. So we're back now. Sharon, who is uh, Reagan's guardian, she delivers every line like she's looking at the crew. She's not looking at the camera. She's not looking at who she's talking to, but she's looking at the crew. There's a scene on the penthouse lanai where Regan is out there and she's with these doves in this. And it's supposed to be like futuristic looking or, or stylized for the 70s, but it looks like a Lance Burton LA thing, like where the doves magically come out of this thing. <laughs> we kind of go back and forth now between Lamont, uh, Father Lamont searching for the body in Africa, the body that fell in the crevice, yeah. and Reagan doing a tap dance number back in New York. It's a lullaby of Broadway. <laughs> this is the most amazing sequence in the movie. Yeah, so Richard Burton, of course, has seen the vision, so he knows that the body fell down the crevice. All these other people who are at the church, I have no idea what these people are doing, but apparently they've been searching for the body the entire time. Yeah. And Richard Burton's like, I know where it is. And he's like, it fell over here in the crevice. And as he's running, you can hear an ADR line where someone says, I was telling you. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes, he's like, goes to this crevice and it's like, it's just like 30 feet away. Yeah. It's like, they've been searching for this body for years, decades maybe. And there's like, 
Should we search 20, 30 feet away? What Should we look behind this rock? No. I like that there's one monk who was like, as soon as somebody finds out, I told you guys. I was I knew telling it. you. I was telling you it was a short walk away. Earl said I didn't know what I was talking about, but I knew what I was talking about. I literally about. can see it from here. So uh, now that I'm thinking about it, that whole sequence with Richard Burton going to Mud City was him climbing up a wall, yes. <laughs> finding a boy's bathing with an old man. Finding climbing, some men dancing and chanting. Climbing back down. Climbing down. And then finding the body. Finding that is efficient storytelling. And everyone's sort of like, well, how did you know all this kind of stuff? And Richard Burton has the most amazing line where he says, it's hard to explain. <laughs> it's hard to explain. Yeah, no shit it is. He's like, I wrote it here on the wings of a locust. <laughs> <laughs> like, it wasn't that hard to explain. It's just like really hard to understand maybe. Uh, but anyway, they all, all the Africans start calling him a devil worshiper. And they start all the Ethiopians, they start throwing him, which Reagan, who is sync with him, now starts feeling. And she is, while well, she's tap dancing, she's like, wins! Tap, to tap, to tap, to tap, to tap, to tap, wins! Lullaby of Broadway is going while this Corsican Brothers thing is happening with the stoning of a, in Africa. And finally, she in slow motion falls she off the She tap stage. dances off the front of the the stage in slow motion with no <laughs> and she starts having a seizure which is like again it's kind of going back to some of the things that happened at the beginning of the first it's exorcism. the only thing that ties this movie back to the exorcist with her performance so now we go to father lamont who is just inexplicably interviewing a french nun yep, he's on just a talk- beach just he's just somewhere else talking to a french nun and then in comes ned Beatty. yeah Playing ecumenical Edwards. Religion's my business, he says. Uh, And he knows where the village is because he knows everything about this area. And so he's going to take him to the village that was in Reagan's mind. But see, this whole scene is in French. And none of the dialogue in this movie makes sense anyway. Like He literally says several times, I rode it on the wings of a locust. I brushed (laughs) wings with Pazuzu. Uh, He gives all this really weird ethereal dialogue. And Ned Beatty just goes, sounds like Gypti. I can play you there. <laughs> so they're flying to the African village, and there's actually all these planes that are spraying for locusts. Lamont wanders into the village, and he's kind of wandering around looking for Kokumo. A man walks down the street, street in a strange world. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a third world. Maybe it's the first time around. A Doesn't speak the language. Holds no currency. He is a foreign man. Bermuda. He is surrounded by the sounds. Sounds. Locus in the marketplace. Far away is Regan's. This musical interlude is brought to you by K108. Kokumo. So we have 10 minutes of Philip Lamont walking around Wandering the studio. Around. Finally, he wanders around upon Kokumo, D- James Earl Jones. He who, just walks, right, just walks right in there, who is dressed like a locust. He has a straight up locust costume. I on. dug his costume, though. I, I did, too. Yeah, I did. Best part of the movie, yeah. right? So he just says that Lamont needs to cross over, and so he walks onto this Thing where spikes come up through his feet, but then he falls through the black and emerges. And now James Earl Jones is a scientist yes. who is studying locusts. And he's doing a very anti-James Earl Jones voice. Yeah. It's not the deep, sonorous tone. It's, hey, how you doing? <laughs> and he's apparently just a doctor at what's called a locust station. Yeah, <laughs> he's just studying locusts. And he's talking about brushing wings. When yeah. you get br- Pazuzu essentially takes the form of a locust. 
And when Pazuzu brushes you with his wings, he... Because grasshoppers are grasshoppers until they brush their lo- wings together and they become locusts and they think together right. in a terrifying, destructive voice. Aha. And this is what Pazuzu is going to do. Yes. Got it. But my favorite part of this is James Earl Jones goes, he's trying to show him that there's there's also one thing they call the good locust. <laughs> and he just walks over to this thing with all these locusts. He goes, like this one, for instance. <laughs> like he can identify the specific locust out of thousands of them. She's a good locust. Uh. So if, if you extrapolate this with this movie symbiology, Regan is the good locust. Yeah. Right? Which means that all the other developmentally disabled kids that they've been showing you this whole movie are evil. Evil locusts. Evil locusts attracted to Regan. Or really, they're just grasshoppers who Pazuzu can transform into locusts. Yeah. So it's sort of understood that Pazuzu is actually sent by the devil. Pazuzu is a demon sent by the devil to attack these good locusts, these resistors. And that's sort of why... Reagan was targeted in the first film is that maybe she's one of these good locusts. She's one of these resistors. Right. So Father Philip Lamont comes back to America and now he's been he's been overseas he's been abroad for a week, so now he's gone native a little bit. He yeah. comes back, he's wearing a very African shirt, not his <laughs> not his priest vestment collar anymore. He visits with Sharon, who who tells him in no uncertain terms in a see-through gown, get out of here. We don't want you around. You're poisoning Regan. So he shamedly walks away, but him and Regan clandestinely meet at the same museum. He tells her, you're in terrible danger. Or does he tell him? I have no idea. Who cares? This movie has lost me. It's fucking stupid. Susan, at one point, is like standing by herself and realizes that Regan has uh, snuck out of the hospital. And she just says to herself, stupid bitch. (laughs) That's part of the fucking movie. And then Louise Fletcher finds out that Regan and uh, Lamont are going back to D.C. She just tells somebody off screen, call my kids. I'll be in touch. <laughs> These children are five. You've seen them bathe. They can't bathe by themselves. She's bathing them earlier. Yeah, there's a scene earlier where she's bathing them. Yeah, she's it's, just... It's, what? It has nothing to do with anything. She's just like, call my kids. They'll understand. Yeah, they'll get it. <laughs> so yeah, this sequence, now there's like a race, essentially. Yeah. So you have Father Lamont and Regan who are going back to the house from the original, back to the house in Georgetown where Pazuzu originally possessed Regan. They're taking a train yeah. from New York. Louise Fletcher and Susan are taking a plane. So they're driving to the airport. They come along an ac- they come along a car accident. There's a flying scene where the plane almost kind of seems to crash yeah. and then doesn't. Father uh, Lamont is possessed at this time. You can tell he's Yeah, he's increasingly arch. acting very strange. They get off the train to get onto a bus, and he just walks by and doesn't pay, and the bus driver's like, hey, you know, and she, Regan pays for him. And the bus driver is hilariously eating a giant sandwich. He, he eats his sandwich in defiance of Lamont walking by him. <laughs> and then when the bus isn't leaving later on, Father Lamont's like, get this bus going. He takes a bite of his sandwich. This guy spite eats better than anybody I've ever seen. <laughs> There's an accident on the freeway where Sharon and Dr. Tuscan are driving. Yeah, there's or, another accident on yeah. the freeway where, where Sharon, where Dr. Gene has to get out and the, and attend. That, and this is this time they're coming from the airport in D.C. to the house in Georgetown. Yeah. She gets out and she actually says, "I'm going to see about this." Yeah, what's going on? <laughs> I'll see about this. More bad rear projection, locusts starting to descend on DC. The taxi is possessed and crashes. The first scene where I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. The house is possessed. The house at Eight Prospect Circle is possessed. And the taxi crashes in front of the house. 
Sharon gets out, leaves the dead driver and Dr. Jean, who is trapped in the car. Right. And she seems to be acting a little demonic herself. Correct. Now we're up in the bedroom. Reagan sees her demon self, which is not Linda Blair. But this is why Linda Blair is such a horrible actress. She's like jauntily walking, <laughs> smiling to the door where fucking shit is going down. As soon as she <laughs> opens it, she's like, oh, yeah, this place? This is bad. Oh, yeah. No, I remember getting possessed by the devil here. And then she splits into two different Regans. Yeah. She turns into a sexy succubus Regan who uh, seduces Lamont. And boy, he needs no convincing. No. <laughs> he like leaps. Like he got air. Leaps onto her. <laughs> Richard Burton went for it in that scene. <laughs> Sorry. And this is where Richard Burton delivers the line. The wings are brushing me. <laughs> so... Those aren't wings, pal. Yeah, this right. <laughs> I know I have to explain anatomy to a priest, but this is not, a, <laughs> it's not how sex works. And Richard Burton is slamming Linda Blair into it. Oh, absolutely. It, and she uh, starts delivering lines, Porqué, Porqué, from the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and he recognizes them there. Meanwhile, outside, Susan has climbed out of the car, and she wanders over to a puddle of gas. Yeah. And Somehow by clicking her heel ignites the gas. She steps on a, a headlight and oh, okay. immolates herself. And Louise Fletcher starts going, Sharon? <laughs> Sharon? And this woman is caught fire and is burned for several minutes. Nothing bothers Dr. G. Tuscan. She's seen it all. It reminded me of that scene from MacGruber where the plane crashes and he just runs around the tarmac for like two minutes. Guys? Guys? I fucked up, guys. <laughs> Richard Burton recognizes the porqué from the girl from the beginning, realizes the whole kind of hive thing, and now he starts choking evil Reagan. Yeah, he jumps on the bed. Who is now, like, again, she's not, like, just an idea. There's actually, like, two literal bodies yeah. that are in the room because they, like, bump into each other on the stairs at one point. Yeah, yeah. But he's choking her. Locusts are descending over POV. The house is ripping apart. Richard Burton is getting pummeled with fake locusts. Richard Burton reaches into Devil Regan's chest yeah. and rips out her heart. Rips out the heart and there's a hilarious scene where like they remember like oh yeah you got to do something with the heart so he just kind of like tosses it absentmindedly <laughs> over his shoulder <laughs> reagan as the house is splitting into falls into the crevasse just like the the boy did from up on the mountain yep uh, she comes down on the ground and somehow instinctively knows that in this swarm of locusts she needs to spin and whip her hand around like the native boy did from the scene earlier like in the film. Kokomo did earlier. Yeah, and even though that did not work for him, it right. does work for her, and the locusts all start flying to the ground and dying. But there's this real, like, peaceful... While this... Ennio Morricone <laughs> Ennio <music>. Morricone. <laughs> I love you, man, but God. What the hell is happening? What the fuck? It's like this weird inspirational music that plays. But she stops all the locusts with her yep. magic because, again... Reagan is magic. This is like an Arsenio Hall woof, woof, woof arm motion that she's doing. <laughs> and the locusts just be like, yeah, all right, I respect Arsenio. We're outside now. Dr. Jean Tuscan is cradling a very charbroiled chair. She is burnt to a crisp. She is black. And this is, okay, so this dialogue right now is emblematic of the whole movie. Sharon says, I chose evil. And Richard Burton says, no, Sharon, your hunger for belief was your truth. What? What? Um, the movie's utterly indecipherable nothing. and poorly delivered, Completely and that nothing. is every scene in this movie. Uh, Reagan sees Sharon across the street, and she says, Sharon. And Sharon sees Reagan, and she says, 
Reagan. <laughs> and then she dies. <laughs> Dr. Jean Tuscan now, now finally realizes there's some serious shit going on. Some shit on. has happened. And is like, priest who just tried to have sex with a 16-year-old run off with the same 16-year-old yeah. and take care of her. Yes. <laughs> so they just take off. They abscond. And literally a millisecond later, the entire street is filled with people. Yeah. Filled with people. As soon as they depart into the woods, there's just hundreds of people in the street. I actually thought that was a cool shot. Uh yeah, it was a cool shot. Yeah. So they take off. Suddenly the background is filled with actors and ambulances and everything like this. And on the final shot of Louise Fletcher, what do we see, Quirky? We actually see flashing light. Flashing That's light. That's right. Flashing light. So for literally, I don't know what the fuck the point of this was, but it almost suggests the entire movie took place in their heads. I, oh, God. Is that what that was? There were oh. flashing lights over the last scene of Louise Fletcher. Pull back and be in a snow globe. Have a possessed-ass snow globe. That would be way better. <laughs> but yeah, lights and as it fades out, and uh, that is your movie, Exorcist Two: The Heretic. Oh, boy. Quirky. Yeah. Final thoughts on Exorcist Two: The Heretic. Oh, fucking... It, this was rough. This was a rough one hour and 48 minutes to get through because no dialogue makes sense. Yeah. It's nobody's motivations are clear. It undermines everything that was scary. It's not a scary movie. No. It they 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 chose to give you an origin story. Yeah. And it cut the nuts off the first one. I think the devil was in the first one, and this one tried to tell you, no, it's this Abyssinian demigod uh-huh. Pazuzu. Right. It does not work at all at any aspect of it. Probably made the mistake of actually rewatching The Exorcist <laughs> before I watched this. This has been a long couple of decades probably since I'd seen it. And you know, yeah, it, it's definitely not a scary movie and it really only Exorcist 2 only addresses the Exorcist in terms of well, A just kind of stealing some of its light, right? Like just getting the name value of it and yeah. of uh, having Casting Reagan and Linda Blair and things like that. Max Vencito. But yeah, it only really re- is connected to the movie in a theoretical way. Like it addresses the movie in in theories, but again, like you said, it's not scary, it's not creepy, it's yeah. not you know, it is strange. And you really, from the uh, like I said, I'll put the uh, link to the trailer on the post for this uh, episode. Yeah, but you don't get a feeling for how drab it is and just how dull it is. I mean, the movie really plods along. The first film starts very slow and builds and builds and builds and builds. This starts slow and stays slow. Yeah. I would say Richard Burton is the only fun thing about this movie, just because he's, he's... He's so hammy. Yeah. He's so But that's hammy. Richard Burton. Yeah, and then it's just in, in compared to Louise Fletcher, who is seems barely awake. The fuck that, did she win an Academy Award? She won it like two years earlier for yeah. uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's For her like, first Nest. role, yeah. right? I, but I've never seen her in anything good ever no. after that. No. Yeah. No, she's she gives nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah, Linda Blair gives nothing. Yeah, it's a pretty just drab and, and kind of boring film. It's. Uh, I think Nathan Rabin had a good point when he said pretty much the only thing keeping this franchise going is the original mm-hmm. and then the re-release of the original. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's give our ratings for the film. Just to remind people about our system, we give the watchable bad film a dare, the unwatchable bad film gets your double dare, and the movie that we actually kind of like is a reverse dare. Corky, your rating for Exorcist 2 the heritage. Oh, this is a double fucking dare scare. Double dare. All the way. All oh, the way. God, d- stay away from this one. Yeah. This is the the horror uh, Lord of the Underworld, horror of <laughs> Lord of Flies. <laughs> Just, ugh. this movie, you will writhe in pain in this movie. You will feel possessed. Yeah, I it's thought gross. it was pretty bad. I'm going to go with a dare. It's a low dare, but I, I was semi- 
semi-fascinated by this film. Just At the, the awfulness? Yeah, and just the strange moods and the strange relationship that it has to The Exorcist. And I'm kind of feeling like, again, making a direct comparison to The Exorcist, this movie like falters in every single way as a kind of standalone thing. It, it is just so odd and so unusual. And I'll tell you, they don't make them like this anymore. No, they do not, right? I mean, thank God, but... yeah. All right, so that's all we have for you on this episode of Scared Daniel. Our last episode of Scared Daniel. Yeah, so, yeah thank f- you everyone for joining us for these five horror movies. Absolutely, Halloween. this was the f- our first kind of theme thing that we did. Yeah, and I so think strong. we're going to do other stuff like this uh, over the months, and definitely we'll do Scared Daniel again next year. So yeah. be sure to join us. That's all we have for you on this episode of Scare Daniel, but we'll be back next week to review another one of your movie scares. In the meantime, check out I'm our Thursday. Scares. I don't care. I'm saying scares. <laughs> Uh, fucking rock with me, guys. Have some confidence. I got to fucking deal with That's all we have for you on this episode of Scare Daniel. <laughs> but we'll be back next week to review another one of your movie dares. In the meantime, check out our Thursday mini episode for a review of the next Scare Dare Scare Bear Daniel review. As well as talk about your movie dares, scares, bears, fairs, lairs, and movies in general. Until then, send your most sadistic or altruistic, but definitely not scary, movie dares, not scares, <laughs> to us at daredanielnotscaredaniel.com. And be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod, Not Scare Daniel Pod, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like and rate us on iTunes. It's not scary. You can read more of my non-scary movie reviews in the very unscary Sacramento News and Review and at newsreview.com. Corky, where can people find more of your scare? Oh, I love it. You and Lon Chaney on it. <laughs> I'll be performing at the Sacramento Comedy Spot. You better come on down on a Friday or Saturday and fuck around or else see me in Mud City, bitches. For Dead Daniel. <laughs> For Scare Daniel, I'm Scaniel Scarns. Our scare producer is Scary Floor Scare. And I'm Corky McDonald saying, wait, scary. Not to kill, wait not to kill the bit, Dan. Scared. Scared. <laughs>